Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. Make sure you stay up to date with all of our latest episodes by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you go for your podcasting needs. My name is Max Curtin, Head of Content here at EM360, and your host on today's podcast. Now, in today's episode, I'm being joined by Raghu Nanda Kamara, Field CTO at Alumio. Raghu is here to explore how organizations can realize a future without high-profile breaches. So, Raghu, welcome to the show, and thanks for coming on today. Thank you very much, Max. Pleasure to be here. It's great to have you on. And before we delve into today's questions, would you mind just giving our listeners a bit of background on yourself? Yeah, sure. No problem. So uh, I've been at Illumio for just over a year now. Um, I'm one of the field CTOs uh, at Illumio. And in my role, I support our field teams with prospects and really bringing sort of that, that perspective of how we make customers successful, understanding their particular challenges and and explaining how we've delivered that sort of success in their sort of zero trust segmentation journeys. And of course, in sort of with, with existing customers, we help them realize that. Be, beyond that, sort of prior to, prior to Lumio, uh, I was actually in the financial services industry for 15 years um, in a variety of network security focus roles from operations to product management to engineering. And the last few years, running like the segmentation program there, and helping that particular uh, organization kind of move towards sort of sort of a better uh, network security posture. So I've kind of got experience as a practitioner, and now on the on the vendor side. Excellent. You've uh, you've covered all bases, which is perfect, and always good for these kind of conversations. So I wanted to kick off the podcast here by talking about uh, the forbidden year 2020. It was known as the year <laughs> that um, we obviously had health pandemics. We also had mm-hmm. cyber pandemics. You know, mm-hmm. there was big data breaches last year. Attacks skyrocketed. Yep. Where are we at in, let's focus on Q1 so far of 2021. What's the current state of high profile breaches this year? Oh, wow. Right. I mean, Q1 2021 has probably had enough newsworthy breaches to fulfill <laughs> most years or multiple years right mm-hmm, um, exactly and and not 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 just sort of various type various breaches in terms of sort of the names of them but really the nature of those breaches as as well has been kind of like quite wild and varied right you've got sort of supply chain attacks you've got exploits of sort of zero day vulnerabilities you've got ransomware you you've got sort of credentials being leveraged sort of privilege access being being leveraged to sort of gain access to sort of vast number of devices <laughs> i mean like you could sort of hear me kind of sighing right i think we're at a Definitely, this is, it's almost, I don't know if this is an inflection point, um, or if it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a high watermark. I don't know if, if that's the right term for it, but we definitely seem to be at that point where we've just got, it's, it's almost like we've just got this huge collection of different types of breaches that are, that are ongoing and all at massive scale. But then when we, when we look at them, we can kind of identify, well, we don't necessarily say, oh, if you had done this, right, you, this breach would have never happened, right? But what is they've definitely shown is that there is often kind of a basic 
oftentimes lapse that has resulted in that that breach then ultimately becoming successful, right? So if you're looking for, let's say, a common theme across these breaches, it's it's potentially that, right? That that's something that is what's often con- uh, considered to be table stakes or s- good security hygiene has been, no, I wouldn't say ignored, but probably not looked at as critically as it should have been. So yeah, I think we're, we're at a really interesting point. And, and we have, we, I mean, if we look like SolarWinds is now December, right? When it first got, came into the public domain, and we're still figuring out what the lasting effects of that have been, right? And then since then, we've had five or six significant breaches. So yeah, it's it's definitely kind of, um, for the security press, security practitioners, it's definitely like there's lots to, to digest and deal with at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's keeping me busy, which I appreciate. It's, uh, it's always good to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, have you got any examples of, you know, stuff that really kind of sticks out to you, some headlines of cyber incidents that, that you've read about that really made you kind of, that were alarming and you went, okay, this is what business leaders need to be learning from to, to kind of take that next step? Yeah, I, I'd say that, I mean, I think SolarWinds, Sunbursts, I think it has a bunch of different names associated with it, right? Uh, but we all know kind of the, the specific sort of breach that we're talking about. Um, I think that really brought to a head supply chain attacks, right? The, the supply chain, like that that's all the, 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 the adage that sort of your chain is only as strong as its weakest link, right? I think that really was brought to a sort of a forefront with this particular attack. Now, if you look back, it's not, the first supply chain attack by any means, right? Target, uh, the target breach um, in the early 2010s, right, was very much a supply chain attack. And the HVAC system or the third party running the HVAC system was was breached, which in turn allowed the attackers to get access into the target's infrastructure and their POS systems, right? Cloudhopper uh, a few years ago, where sort of system integrators, managed service providers themselves were breached, who were then managing cloud infrastructure for their clients, right? SolarWinds is another, again, right? It's the, the compromise of software that other people that other people depend on that then gives the attacker access into those more high-value targets. So I think that that definitely is sort of the, if you were to say, like, what type of attack is kind of front and center at the moment, I'd probably say supply chain attacks just because everyone is suddenly awake to these. But also I think with something like, something like solar winds it's what the potential impact is right and i think that's the bit that's the huge unknown it's that proverbial sort of we've looked at the tip of the iceberg but we really don't know how much is still hidden under the water just because of the proliferation of the the orion platform right the ability for the attackers to maintain persistence but not, we're not just talking about persistence or necessarily on that particular platform, but because it then gave them the opportunity to, to essentially move laterally within those target networks, I think it's still going to be a while before we ultimately say this was the actual total impact of this particular breach. So I think that to me is kind of a very scary thought because like when it's a very obvious, right? Company X was breached. This was what was stolen. Full stop. Right. That's kind of very easy for us to quantify. It's breaches like this where we are unable to quantify the impact, even a few months in. That's where it's quite scary. 
100% agree. And I, I think you nailed it with, obviously, um, I always like the iceberg analogy when we talk about these things, because as you say, there's so much more going on and so much more that kind of needs to be researched when when we're going into this. And now, obviously, I'm going to ask the, the the hardest question and one that really doesn't have an answer, because if it did, yep. you and me wouldn't really have to do anything again. So yep. how can organizations really defend against and mitigate the impacts of such high profile breaches today? Is it possible or is it just preventative measures that they can kind of take? I mean, I think it's it's always easy to be kind of wise after the fact. Right. And yeah. um, I, we definitely don't want to be. Um, that the sort of we don't want to be sort of the organization that says, well, if you had our product, right, this would have been prevented. And I don't think any security vendor wants to be that, right? But so, and I think the the lesson is is that this is not about getting yet another technology or yet another product and plug a hole, right? What it is is that it's really about looking at your overall security posture looking at your holistically pretty much looking at across your security like detective preventative reactive controls and understanding what is your level of maturity right are you mature enough in the right places that should an attack of this kind happen to your particular organization that you know well that to some extent you're able to limit the impact of it right and Often, I think what sort of the, the the fallacy that we have is that as an organization, that everything has to be protected equal, right? So we take that approach where we say, right, I'm going to go and do, I'm going to have essentially define this sort of bar of security that I'm going to go and ensure that I do absolutely here, there, and everywhere, right? That's absolutely necessary, right? Kind of that having that baseline level of security is absolutely imperative, and it's almost like the sort of the the entry level, right? Anything that doesn't meet this bar shouldn't even be allowed on on your uh, on your infrastructure, right? However, I think once we take it from there, is that how do you then raise that bar, right? Because that's that's really should be the thought going through all the security practitioners is that how can I realistically raise the security bar and continue to raise it, as opposed to looking at it and and thinking that. I just don't know where I'm going to make the improvement. And I think that's the key part, right? Because remember, right, while you may want to maintain the same security posture across your entire estate, right? And if you can do that and you can ensure that bar is significantly high enough and achieve that, that's incredible. That's amazing. And I mean, you should be like a leading light, right? However, realistically, that's just not economically feasible. It's not operationally feasible, right? And, and often we just don't have the resources to go and do that. So that's where you start to need to look at look at your infrastructure, look at your assets from the perspective of business risk, right? So when, like, do I know the actual value from a business perspective of what I have in my organization, right? And when I say within the organization, this is essentially your data, wherever it lives, cloud, in your data center, et cetera, on your employee laptops, whatever it may be, right? And can I assign a value to each of those things? Once I've done that, can I then rank those so that I know what my most critical assets are? And then can I look at the maturity of the controls around those critical assets to ensure that at least those are at sort of uh, at sort of the, have the highest bar of security, right? So once you kind of start breaking it down like that, you're able to you're able to almost take that 
significant problem, boil, the boiling the ocean problem, and turn it into boiling just a pan of water, right? And that's when you can actually start making real security progress and start to see an iterative improvement in your security posture. Yeah, definitely. In terms of, as you say, kind of breaking down those areas and kind of putting it into those pockets allows it a lot easier to to manage. And obviously, you guys deal a lot in the zero trust element mm-hmm. of what you guys do. Um, and I've really enjoyed conversations over the past year because zero trust has become this very much forefront solution. Yep that a lot of organizations are looking at versus, you know, two, three years ago where it was like, yeah, that would be nice to have in the the organization. Now it's very much, we need it. This is what needs to be implemented. Have you noticed that from your end in terms of, are people seeing zero trust now as this kind of great solution to kind of fixing this? And is it a service that works for all organizations or is it only for one kind of set area? Um, Yes. So I think, I think there's lots of parts to that question. So I'll come on to it in order that that I remember it. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I mean, absolutely, right. So uh, as you're saying, I think that like zero, if you're asking for what is a security sort of buzzword, buzz phrase at the moment, you'd probably expect zero trust to be in sort of that top three, if not the top sort of buzzword in the security industry, right? And everyone's caught on to it, right? The analysts have, the, the, the practitioners have, the consultants have, the vendors have, right? And everyone's got to have like a zero trust story. So if you kind of think about it, right? Zero trust is really that concept of, it's just a concept of least privilege, right? Give, ensure that every every actor, every asset that, that you have, right? Is accessing or being accessed in a way that only gives it as much privilege as much access as much rights as it needs to perform its particular function now this is not a new concept by 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 any means right it it just so happens that previously in order to achieve that the effort that you'd need to put in to achieve that state is significantly higher than saying well you know what if i draw a ring around these assets right um they're all in the same trust zone so i can kind of all treat them the same Right. That's that's always been much easier to do rather than almost look at everything in isolation and say, this is the kind of the value of this and this is how it needs to be protected. Now, if we if we look at that from again, from like a zero trust perspective and again, like I'm going to use sort of that, that boiling the ocean analogy. Right. That if you look at that from a very macro level and say, I have I have to go and turn my entire organization sort of security posture, security approach into a zero trust approach, right? Well, because kind of taking a good approach towards adopting zero trust really expects you to really understand the sort of how your data is accessed, right? How your users are interacting with it in the first place, right? That's for, a, for an organization of any size, if you, look, if you want to look at the entire picture, that's a, that's a huge effort to do, right? You're almost drowned in data before you've made a start. So absolutely, every organization can adopt zero trust, right? It is not something that is just for the most security mature or those with the deepest pockets, right? Because they can afford to throw resources at this. Every organization can adopt zero trust. And zero trust, right? Let, let's lose the zero trust ac- acronym for a second. Zero trust is just best security practice, right? 
that's what it is, right? It's it's no different from best security practice. It's think think it's almost like a hotel, right? Wouldn't just put a lock on the front door and leave all the rooms open. It says, well, each guest is different, right? And they want to control who can who can come in and out of their rooms. So each room needs to be locked, right? So that's the same way that you that you look at your that that you look at your assets, that you look at your data. And anyone who wants to take a zero trust approach, a I'm going to call it a security best practice approach, can start then almost kind of going back to the previous sort of the previous question we were talking about. Again, it comes around to really kind of picking and choosing where you're going to start, right? Identify what the sort of those low-hanging fruit, those things that don't give you the biggest value in your investment. Focus though, focus on those first and show that you can make progress. Show that you're raising the bar. Once you've done that, you can then iterate around and pick the next thing of which you're going to improve that security process. So when I'm talking about this with our prospects and our customers, the way I talk about it is absolutely have the strategic goal, right? Have the strategic goal of a of adopting zero trust or um, adopting micro-segmentation across your entire data center estate. But to actually make real progress, start small. Start small. Pick the Pick the applications that, that you're going to focus on first. Understand those properly. Protect those. Secure those. Then move on to the next one. And I think taking this approach, that's the real way to make progress. And once you do that, once you think about it that way, organizations of any size can realistically do this. It's not just something for the for the sort of the well resourced. Hundred percent agree. I think that's a great approach, especially for a lot of as you say different size organizations can take that approach and really understand how to utilize this effectively. So I've got one kind of final question uh, before we wrap up here today. And Q1 is obviously done and dusted. We spoke about what's been happening and this rise of attacks that we're seeing. If I asked you to predict the future of the next kind of nine months or eight months, what do you think the future is looking like for these high profile breaches? Uh, what incidents are we really going to have to be looking out for to to make sure that we don't have a as much of a repeat of last year if we can? Yeah, I, I think I mean I think ransomware attacks are just are, are will continue, right? I think that there's no surprise in that. I think it's all it's almost kind of again like an easy an easy place for wannabe attackers to start. I, I do think this, particularly now that we have a far more sort of not not just interconnected because the interconnected we we've been very interconnected for a number of years now but also as the proliferation of of the adoption of cloud the adoption of iot so true sort of mass sort of interconnectivity and that kind of that blurring of lines between sort of the the end user the the provider the enterprise, the, the 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 supplier, as those continue to blur, particularly within sort of on the internet, right? I think sort of supply chain attacks and the knock-on effects of those are going to be something that we see increasingly more of over the over the next twelve months. So that that's where I would be. That's where I'd be looking to see. Okay, do do we do you truly understand? your your supply chain and do you understand the potential risks and are you and how are you mitigating those effectively to ensure that when the next such incident happens you're not 
overly exposed because the, the exposure is going to exist, but it's ensuring that you that you understand what that those potential exposure points could be and having those properly defended. 100% agree. We're never going to fix this 100%. There's always going to be bad actors out there. There's always going to be attacks going on. It's, as you say, understanding your resources, understanding your company, and putting those uh, effective measures in place to protect yourself the best that you can and make sure we can minimize damage as much as possible for for this kind of stuff coming in. So um, 100% agree. And Raghu, all I can say is thank you for coming on today's episode, walking us through all of this. It's been uh, It's been really great getting your insights. Pleasure, Max. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, who took the time to listen to this episode. We hope you took a lot away. If you are looking for more information uh, on what we've discussed or Zero Trust in general, you can head over to Illumio.com. There's some great resources on there. and I'm sure a member of the team will be able to help you. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. Until then, you can join the conversation at Ian360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. We'll be back with uh, more podcasts and more videos coming up next week. And if you want more great daily content, please head on over to em360tech.com. Mm-hmm.